Please take your Bibles, join me in Luke, Luke chapter 2, very familiar Christmas passage. Let's read verses 1 through 14. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And if you're unfamiliar, this would be like a census. Anyway, moving on. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I asked the Lord what He would have for me to say, and one word kept being pressed into my spirit as I was preparing. And I believe this is what the Lord has for us today. Notice verse 14 again, we have the angel of the Lord, a multitude of the heavenly host. They're praising God and they're saying this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And the one word that God kept laying on my heart was peace. But isn't this interesting? They're praising God by saying, and on earth peace. And yet where's the peace? I think a few years ago I might have did a like a devotional type thing on our website on this thought. This has grown into a message this year for me. And where's the peace? There's been no lasting peace on earth. In fact, in Matthew's account, after the wise men depart, the angel of the Lord is going to appear to Joseph and tell him, you need to take Jesus and Mary and you need to flee down to Egypt because Herod the king over Judea, he's going to seek to kill Jesus. That's not peace when you have to flee. And sure enough, Herod issued the order. Once he saw he was mocked of the wise men, they went another way. He ordered all the children from two years old and under to be killed. And they did. Where's the peace? There was no peace during Jesus' ministry. John the Baptist was beheaded during that time. Several occasions the religious Jews sought to kill Jesus. Where was the peace? And eventually they did. We know He willingly laid down His life, but the Bible says they they killed Him. Where's the peace? And because of their rejection of the Messiah, Jesus foretold of the destruction of Jerusalem, the temple. And in 70 AD, the city was overthrown by the Romans and the the, the temple was so thoroughly destroyed that not one stone was left upon another 
where was the peace? And time wouldn't permit us to chronicle all the wars and conflicts that have taken place over the last 2,000 years. But Jesus said, ye shall hear of wars and rumors of war. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And even as we meet here tonight, we know there are bullets flying in parts of the world. Where's the peace? There's been no lasting peace on earth since the announcement of peace on earth at Jesus' birth almost 2,000 years ago. There's been no peace on the world stage. But that's not all. There's no peace within nations. There's crime everywhere. During America's 20-year war on terror, there were far more people killed in the streets of Chicago than all of the military personnel we lost in Afghanistan. From October 2001 to August 2001, there were a total of 2,402 U.S. military deaths. And during that same time on the streets of Chicago, there were 9,672. In Chicago alone, where's the peace? Hosea 4, 1 through 3 says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish. But let's keep drilling this down. There's no peace on the world stage. There's no peace within nations. There's no peace within our United States. There's no peace within our counties and our cities and our towns. In fact, I did an internet search and I discovered that the crime rate here in Rapid City is 107% higher than the national average. How's that? Let's keep going. There's not only peace, no peace in our towns, but sadly, sometimes there's an absence of peace in our churches. And I mean churches that are made up of the people of God. How many times do we read in the New Testament of how churches were experiencing divisions and factions and schisms infighting and all the rest and we read many times that we need to be of one accord and one mind we need to be unified but let's keep going as heartbreaking as it is there's often no peace within families this really shouldn't surprise us giving the words of Jesus he said in Matthew 10 34 through 36 think not that I am come to send peace on earth I came not to send peace but a sword For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. But wait a minute, didn't the angel and the heavenly hosts proclaim peace on earth? And yet Jesus said, I didn't come to send peace. Is this a contradiction? Well, we'll get to that. Let's go one last step down. There's not only no peace in families, there's no peace in many lives of individuals. Aha. And therein lies the problem. When there's no peace in our own life. You see, no peace in the life of an individual leads to no peace within families. No peace within families leads to no peace in our cities and towns and counties which leads to no peace in our states, which leads to no peace in our nation, which leads to no peace on the world stage. And for believers, when there's no peace in our individual life, it leads to a lack of peace within our family, and that manifests itself as a lack of peace within 
The church. So why did the angel of the Lord proclaim peace on earth at Christ's birth when there was no peace before and there's been no peace since? Well, let's remember that all the way back in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, He placed them in the Garden of Eden. God made everything perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect. They were sinless. There was no death in the world because there had been no sin yet. But all that changed once they chose to rebel and to sin against God. Sin entered the world. And at that moment, fellowship between God and man was broken. And from that point forward, all mankind has been born at enmity against God. We are born with no peace between us and God. Why? Because we're all born sinners. Romans 5.12 Wherefore as by one man, Adam, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Our sin robbed us of the peace that we enjoyed with God. Sin took away our fellowship that we had with God. And all the way back there in the Garden of Eden, God began to point the way to have peace with Him. To have that peace restored. He foretold of the promised seed of the woman to arrive one day. Which we know was a prophecy of Christ as the Scriptures are continually unfolding throughout the Old Testament, building up to the Messiah's arrival. And then God made the first sacrifice when He made them coats of skin to cover their sinfulness, to cover their shame which also pointed forward to the ultimate sacrifice in Christ. God was showing the way of how peace could be restored with Him through the process of reconciliation. And throughout the Old Testament, it keeps pointing to Christ. The law pointed to Christ. The tabernacle pointed to Christ. The temple pointed to Christ. The sacrifices pointed to Christ. They were all types, figures, pictures of the Lord's coming. The prophets foretold of Christ. Until finally, as Galatians 4.4 says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law. That brings us back to our text. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Why was Christ born into this world? Many reasons could be said, but certainly He was born to bring peace on earth. But it would be a different kind of peace than the world knows. It would be a different kind of peace than the world can offer. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. It was His peace. The peace to be brought to this earth would be the Lord's because He is the giver of peace. But how is Christ going to achieve this peace? He would do so first by being born of a virgin. If you don't have a a Christ born of a virgin, you don't have the Christ of the Bible. Why is that so important? Because He had to not inherit the sin nature of man. He was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Ghost. He lived a sinless life. He fulfilled the law. 
which sinful man could never do. I mean, have you ever wondered why Christ didn't just come as a man and lay down His life a ransom for many? Why, did he, why was He born into this world? Because He had to fulfill the law. And because He was sinless and fulfilled the law, He was and still is the only one that's qualified to be the Savior. Through His perfect blood, His sacrificial death on the cross, which God was foreshadowing throughout the Old Covenant. And of course, Jesus died a very violent and excruciating death. Do I need to explain that to you this morning? About how He was scourged and most men die just from that? How the the intent of scourging is to rip flesh from your bones? It was violent, bloody. How they took a crown of thorns and mashed it on His head? And if that wasn't enough, when they're mocking Him as a king, they took a reed and smote His head, driving the crowns even deeper into His head? Those thorns? And then have Him try to carry His cross up to Golgotha? Calvary? And then they're nailed to a cross? Lifted up to die? Most die from suffocation? Because you can't lift yourself up over time and get a breath. A violent death! Of the sinless Lamb of God. Why? Why would God in the flesh endure so much for wicked man? Simply stated, it was to reconcile man back to God. It was to restore peace between God and man. That we might have a personal relationship with Almighty God. That kind of relationship we once enjoyed back there in the garden of the Lord. Remember, fellowship with God was broken through sin. And so we are born in enmity with God and therefore we needed our sins to be dealt with in order to be reconciled to God. We could never do this on our own, so we needed God to come to us. Emmanuel, God with us. And yet there's a vast sea of humanity out there Maybe some are in here today and you are still seeking peace with God through religious efforts because you don't see Christ's sacrifice as being enough to save you. And so you have to do something on your part you feel. In religions, they go in search of God to find peace. In Christianity, God came to us to give us peace. Strangely enough, the religious people almost seem to enjoy the search more than being found. They're so consumed in their search that they actually miss being found. And so in religion, there is this perverse sense of achievement in trying to be reconciled with God. Religions require people to work their way to have peace with God. Maybe do sacrifices. Maybe give. Money, all kind of way, water baptism, church memberships. But there's never any lasting, everlasting peace in that. Why? Because in religion, you cannot be assured of your eternal destiny until you've already passed. Where's the peace of God in all of that? So where is our peace with God to be found? The answer is peace can only be found in and through Christ. Only Christ can make peace with God and man upon this earth. In contrast to religion stands 
Christ Himself. Religions seek to reach their way up to God while God's Word is clear. God came down to us. God knew no amount of works by fallen man could ever be enough to merit His holy standard of righteousness. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And all of our righteousnesses, that's all that we think is good. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So in His mercy, He did for us what we could not do. He paid a debt He did not owe. Our sin debt. And now, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And His precious blood can wash away your every sin. You see, this is where peace with God is found. Peace on earth. Peace is having a relationship with God Himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when one decides to trust in Christ alone, there's no longer any doubt what will happen after this body dies physically. We will be with the Lord. What a comfort to know that my eternal destination isn't up to my efforts. But that my ransom was paid in full in Christ. All I have to do is trust in Him alone. And herein lies peace that passes all understanding. Romans 5.1 Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Reconciliation is to bring peace between two parties at variance. Today a husband and wife can file for a divorce and cite irreconcilable differences. And God saw the irreconcilable difference and He did something about it. He restored and He renewed our relationship. Ephesians 2, 13 through 19, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained ordinances for to make in Himself of twain one new man, so making peace." And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby that we were born in, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I understand that the context of that is talking about how uh, Jew and Gentile are now one. Amen. Uh, The middle wall has been broken down. We're one in Christ. But I wanted to read that because we see in the Bible the connection between reconciliation and peace. I'll give you one more. Colossians 1, verses 20 and 21. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. So when the angel of the Lord and the multitude of the heavenly host proclaimed, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, the peace on earth was going to be the reconciliation of sinners through Christ's sacrifice. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17-21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are, are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. But there's more. The peace which comes through Christ isn't just to settle our standing before God. But it is to give us peace while we live this life below. We can have the peace of God knowing that our standing is good, that we'll be with Him when we die, that eternity is taken care of. Maybe you have peace about that. But what about in everyday life? And I think in churches like ours, because we preach a pure gospel, amen, many of you know the way of peace through Christ to God. I would imagine many of you can testify that you know what it means to be born again. God's saving grace. But how many of you can say you have peace with God in your everyday life? The first part was for the lost. This is now for the saved. If you don't know Christ, you need to take hold of His peace. Be born again. If you don't have that, you're not going to get this second part. But for those of you in Christ, are you at peace with God when life doesn't turn out how you wanted it to? Are we at peace when our children go astray? Are we at peace when we get a diagnosis we didn't want to receive? Are we at peace when our finances are stretched? Are we at peace when people turn against us? And on and on, I could list things. I've wrestled whether or not to do this, but I'm going to be transparent with you. I knew this message was for me. And I knew God kept pressing the word peace into my spirit for this Christmas because without a doubt this has been the most difficult year of my life. The entire year. It started on January. The entire year. For the first time in my life I've had to deal with serious medical problems. Honestly, that hasn't really affected me. I trust he knows my departure date. But it's still weird because... What's a hospital? Well, now I know. You understand what I'm saying? For those of you who never go, it's like, oh, that's what morphine is. Honestly, it's been the spiritual attacks. One after the other. I won't say too much because you don't need to know all that my wife and I have dealt with in the church this year. And it would be a lot to try to get into and explain. And I would never betray anyone's competence. 
But I mean to tell you, the devil's real. He is relentless. If you don't believe the devil's constantly on the tack, why don't you just try to serve him faithfully? And then maybe other ovens would, would listen to what I'm saying. If you will serve the Lord faithfully, you'll become convinced of how the devil works to steal your peace with God. He wants to bring us under bondage of unrest, turmoil, stress, confusion, worry. And we should not be guilty of any of these things. 1 Corinthians 14.33 For God is not the author of confusion, but of what? Peace. I do not say this for anyone's pity, but it has been one of those years where I have literally wanted to give up. I speak that to my shame. But I'm just being open with you. Because I want you to know, church family, you're not alone. None of us are immune to wrong thoughts in the heat of the battle. The fog of war, if you will. I'll tell you this, thank God He took away that property in Tennessee or else I would have left. And I'd have lived on 32 acres of bottom land in the Clinch River the Clinch Mountains, the heart of bluegrass, and I'd have just sat on my my porch and learned how to play the banjo or something. That's a lot easier than dealing with stuff. It's been so bad, I have actually found myself arguing with the Lord about it all. Lord, why am I trying to help when it seems it doesn't make a difference in the lives of your people? Why do I even take the time to offer help? when nobody even wants it? Why do I put so much effort into preparing a sermon just for people to sit out there and not pay attention? Why preach with all my heart just to see people not heed the message? I got low. I got so low, I didn't know if I could get up here and preach the promises of God believing them myself. What's the point? It got to where I just kept going simply because I knew deep down in my heart Christ is worthy regardless of what happens. And sometimes you just suck it up and keep moving. I I think you're getting the the picture here. In fact, earlier this month I told my parents, I just need a month off. I just need to get along with God and fast. I need to get this all sorted out. I'm just telling you how I felt. My wife and I have been confronted with the reality of what we tried to teach our children. And that is, you can't control other people's actions. You can only control yourself. Listen, I, we can't control anything other than us. We can't control what happens on the world stage. We can't control how others treat us. We can't control how others receive us. We can't control how others respond and act. But somewhere in my heart, I knew we can still have peace with God no matter what. I knew that mentally. There can be peace in this life. There must be or else Christ died in vain. So while the circumstances around us may be tumultuous, there can be peace with God because we've been reconciled to God through Christ. And like I said, I knew this mentally. And I could quote you all the verses. 
Psalm 29, 11, The Lord will give strength unto His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they that love thy law. Nothing shall offend. I knew that. I knew those verses in my head. But I did not have them in my heart. Knowing the right verses and believing those verses are two different things. Living out the Word of God is a whole nother level of the Christian life. And it's a higher plane that all of us better learn how to find. And we can know that peace exists somewhere out there. But we must learn to possess and live in God's peace. God already made the peace. The key is maintaining a life of peace with God. And I can tell you from God's Word, if there's an absence of peace anywhere in our life, it's because deep down we know there's an absence of faith in our God. Where Christ is, there is no worry. There is no confusion. There is no stress. There is no unrest. There is no turmoil. To know Christ is to know peace. And so here's what I had to do, and I don't want to lie to you and say, I'm fully recovered. But I hope this will be a help to you nonetheless. I got alone with God. That's a good place to start. And I just poured my soul out to my Lord. And I mean to tell you, I just got honest with God. Call it an argument if you want. Are you with me? But in that stillness, I kept hearing the word peace spoken into my heart. Peace. God was saying, either I provide you peace or you won't have any peace. And I sense God saying something like this. People are going to do what people want to do. But what are you going to do? And I knew the problem wasn't with others and how they respond. The problem was with me and how I would respond. Now understand, as God is my witness, I don't think I replied to anybody harshly. I don't think I've been ugly to anyone through all that we've been through this year. But I had been responding to God improperly. I hope this is making sense. How did I know there was a lack of peace because of me? Because in the fruit of the Spirit, there's peace. Somewhere started walking in the flesh and not the Spirit. But slowly the Word of God, which I knew in my mind was beginning to penetrate my heart. Verses like Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 15, 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Colossians 3, 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let me me read that again. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It was my choice. And as the Word of God reached my heart, it was as if the Lord arose on the bow of my ship and upon the raging sea of my life. And He said, Peace be still. And there was a great calm. 
And if you go back and read that text in Mark 4.39, there's a comma between peace and be still. Peace, comma, be still. To have the peace of God is to be still. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. We must learn to rest peacefully in Him alone. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, be careful for nothing. What does that mean? Don't worry over anything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. So the announcement of Christ's birth was an announcement of peace on earth, but it would be a peace that can only be found in God through Christ. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Do you have peace this morning? Do you want peace? Maybe you're at the point where you know you need peace. Allow God to speak peace into your heart. Allow His Word to penetrate your heart and truly believe it. This is why Christ was born. May the Lord bless you this Christmas season as you meditate and contemplate the peace that we can have with God in Christ. I want to encourage you, be still this Christmas and just rest in the peace of God. Let's pray.